Chapter Sixteen of A Superfluous Woman by Emma Frances Brooke. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Read by Bruce Peary. It was twilight in the little square sitting room. A peat fire smouldered on the hearth, sending out a small red glow, for the evenings were apt to close in coldly after a hot noontide the windows in the sitting-room were low and small but through them one saw the moon sailing slowly toward the west and drawing after it a procession of pale ghostly clouds the road glittered and the moonlight came into the room carrying a checkered shadow the shadow was of a tree and it fell over the figure of jessamine seated motionless by the window she wore a loose white wrapper and her head leaned against the pillows of the chair she was as still as death her loosened hair fell over her shoulders and her hands lying in her lap covered something jealously under them sometimes the shadow of the tree moving in the wind climbed as high as her breast and fell down again there was no sound at all save the singing of a little wind in the eaves and the figure in the chair against the window with its flowing white robe and deathly stillness looked ghostly in the dusk light of the chamber suddenly she moved and opened her fingers and bending over them raised what was hidden there to her lips and kissed it reverentially it was the white heather which colin had gathered then she dropped the sprigs back upon her knee covered her face with her hands and bending her body in a heap together appeared to tremble convulsively the checkered shadow of the tree covered her as with a net it is a pretty fiction and one traceable to a simpler and more primeval era of emotion which paints human passion with a child's body wearing colored wings that might have suited less introspective and less complicated times than our own ours it will not suit not even cases less civilized and distorted than this of jessamine halliday for us to-day the legend and the allegory are otherwise for us human passion resembles a sphinx-like woman with a gray hood drawn over her eyes she goes about the world groping inexorably for human heart after human heart when she has found what she desires she comes close with a riddle upon her lips and a long knife in her hand and she propounds the riddle while we are thinking of it we see and feel the long knife ready if we guess it rightly we are rewarded that is she hands us a dish of herbs of mingled sweet and bitter and clothes us in the garb of a pilgrim and sets our feet in a path which is sufficiently rough and cruel and in which at times the stones tear the flesh as we tread but down this path forthwith we have to march if we fail to read the riddle right she plunges the knife into the heart up to the hilt and leaves it there nor can we die immediately but by slow degrees expiring of pain by inches nor is it possible to assure ourselves that we will avoid the torment of that discipline 
one day we shall look up and see the figure of the grey-hooded woman going along the road in front we see the long grey shadow there and we try not to think of it we turn straight out of the road to avoid it but there it is in front of us again the grey hood bent the backward parts so mysterious and attractive that we draw nearer and nearer until we are close by she does not turn her head we go ourselves and peep under the grey hood an irresistible something compels us for a little little moment to see what is there and she looks at us with her eyes and then we move away no more we stand gazing at her and secrets pass out of those eyes and out of that austere brow and sink down into the heart she looks at us she takes hold of the conscience she roots up the being she rakes it from end to end there is not the hundredth part of an inch the remotest or most insignificant corner that she does not haul over and sweep out and then when we are shaken to pieces and have not a solid foothold left when every preconceived idea is smashed on the head and every ancient staff a broken reed she propounds her riddle and presents her knife that is human passion to an introspective and developed race jessamine raised herself again with an effort and left her chair and began to move slowly up and down the room pressing her handkerchief against her face and eyes words every now and then escaping her lips unconsciously the white gown swept the ground her hair tumbled about her in a dusky curtain and her face lying between like a small silvery disc caught the moonlight the red glow in the peat fire shot a broad red ray up the folds of her dress as she passed every now and then she stood still and then the face turned toward the window appeared cold and frozen as in dismay and dismay stared from her eyeballs jessamine pink of perfection once she burst out own niece to your aunt arabella is it true or is it a dream in love in love she hesitated and then twice repeated a magical name colin mcgillivray colin mcgillivray she said a peasant tears rushed to her eyes the large dark orbs swam and glittered in the moonlight and two drops hung on her lashes her lips quivered penetrating further into the realm of reality she had found herself face to face with the unexpected it became apparent to her that one is not always master of the event nor in the position toward it of a graceful enchantress managing the sequences with dexterous wilful fingers the event she perceived might trap her in turn she had a frightful sense of bungling absurdly with that in a sudden change of mood she raised one hand and rushed forward a step or two angrily as though she would strike some foe in the face no one warned me she cried oh i am trapped 
again her anger melted the rosy moment of love was still in her memory and her dazed eyes softened again at the thought she was in an enchanted place a place where the wits are distraught by visions but where prudence kept plucking at her with a cold cold finger there were moments when prudence prevailed and held her agonized and chilled and then she told herself that she must think and with that she would shut the moonlight out with her hand before her eyes but her brain was a blank place and while she sought eagerly for an idea her fingers thrilled with a sudden tormenting memory of the palm of colin on which she had permitted them to nestle shivering again convulsively she moved toward the table and drawing a chair close sat down beside it leaning her arms and body upon it so as to gain the perfect quiescence which was needed before she could cope with her thoughts and emotion her raised eyes were fixed on the slow depressing drift of thin clouds in the path of the moon of course i must go home at once said she back to aunt arabella so spake the well-taught schoolgirl to the growing woman but her whole nature cried out in rebellion against her tutored tongue her brain suddenly active inquired why such a return was obligatory the mere statement of the commonplace inevitable remedy called into being a hundred reasons for not accepting it some ways which decorum presents to us as right ways offend the nature by their miserable union of the obvious and the distasteful we tell ourselves that flames and swords are better besides jessamine's revolt against aunt arabella had been a movement of the best part of her nature and was she to stultify it now by a return circumstance suspends us by the hair over the lake of pitch from which she has drawn us and puts her choice to us in the moment jessamine had a love of adventure and within this adventure were alluring possibilities which thrilled while they terrified every prudent dictate was ruined and confused by a colored halo of sweet reminiscence and still sweeter promise in her heart were both delight and fear longing and foreboding at once she tried to summon into clearer prominence the chiller self-repressing prose but the thrill triumphed she was young and it was her first taste of a common human experience while her lips shaped themselves to cool resolutions feeling overflowed oh, oh, oh she cried in sudden mighty emotion as primeval as that of eve let me give myself to him or i die the words out of her lips she snatched herself together with a shrinking gesture as though someone hailed blows about her ears impossible impossible most miserable jessamine hush whereat her heart rushed welcoming toward that very word 
impossible and accepted it for the one seductive and ever more seductive thing is the impossible thing once let the heart fix there its desire and it may not relinquish it again jessamine opened the window of her mind and drew the bird within and held it in a full-grown grasp and knew her treasure even though she cried over it the feeble tears of a girl for indeed bitter slow tears began one by one to drop over her cheeks i cannot understand it murmured she god is mocking me supposing they knew my aunt arabella and all those even as she told herself that she could not understand her heart began swiftly to spell the heart's own lesson the impossible is the important thing in life the thing that carries us furthest that gives us power to achieve or power to resign that shakes all our thoughts apart and discriminates but this emotional creature had no defences of the mind she had been taught not to discriminate but to ignore neither had she been trained into any heroism of will the new phase of her love was introducing already strange companions within conjuring them out of her maimed nature as by some cruel trick all the soft luxury into which she had been trained revolted against the austerity amid which the dazzling figure of love had chosen to alight she could not support the conditions which he offered nor carry the burden he imposed neither could she endure on the other hand to set the knife at the root of her happiness she was a divided thing and each part cried against the other moreover what she had of clear and truthful in her undeveloped character asserted roundly that her duty to colin forbade her to undertake a position for which she knew herself to be unfitted there close on that too small to be flung out subtle dark came the suggestion of a sweet falseness to colin to decide nothing to drift on and on to what jessamine laid her hand over her eyes and moaned as she learned her lesson the lesson of the mastery of feeling reading the inconceivable thing within herself in lines too plain for her mistaking the moonlight could not quench the crimsoning of her cheeks when she looked up again there are two me's said she in a frightened whisper there is the jessamine that was ready to sell herself to lord harriet for a title and the diamonds and there is the jessamine who is ready to throw herself at the feet of a peasant to-morrow the words being spoken her lips drew in unto a narrow outlet shrinking from the thing they had uttered and she clapped her little sunburned hand over them as though to entrap and enforce what had escaped while her wild eyes conscious of the world 
cast a timid fearful glance about the chamber in truth she had fled from her london experiences only to fall into as indecorous a piece of human passion as ever startled the world there was nothing in him than his work his genuineness and massive simplicity and she with all her undisciplined impulses fought frantically against but one part of her surrender that is the chain i can't see anything she said i can't tell one thing from another is this passion oh my lover my lover the moon slowly edged out of the window opposite which jessamine sat and the shadow of the tree climbed in gigantic effigy up the wall the girl had withdrawn her hand from her mouth what was the use of laying it there the words she had uttered returned to her from the sides of the chamber and they escaped out of the window and were any one's possession she leaned her chin upon her hands and stared into the darkness and heedlessly muttered and murmured on before her on the table lay the white heather i think she said if i think of it at all that god must be too great to mind to be angry oh my god i feel that i could sell the world for him and if i went to him because of the drawing of my heart and clung to him would it seem a wicked act for which i must be punished oh my god my god you should have made me different if so for i feel him drawing me and i long with every nerve to go and if i did my duty and ran away from him and to-morrow in a church married myself with the clergyman's blessing to lord harriet would it seem a good act for which i shall be rewarded oh my god if that is so you should have made me different her praying was revolt and that was the first earnest petition to invisible powers which had ever left her heart the conventional being broken through she found sincerity within and with it rebellion not the mere teasing wilfulness with which she had delighted to confuse society but a heartfelt resistance to an order which she suddenly found was laying a cold prosaic claim upon her own intimate devices for warm and natural joy and order to her was summed up in the figure of aunt arabella god and the social laws might lie behind but aunt arabella officiated in the foreground the idea of this hated incarnation of religion and society piercing with her small metallic eye to her own scene of disorderly tumult thrust her upon a harsh mood she struck her hands sharply upon the table breaking the sob in her throat by a laugh for indeed a sense of the inadequacy of all she had been taught as a guiding principle suddenly affected her 
the incommensurateness of any reason for goodness with which she was acquainted with the difficulty of the effort goodness to her was synonymous with prim negations and she glowed with life it made her bitter to think with what a defenceless heart and ill-furnished mind she had set out on her quest for reality and how among her range of acquaintances there was scarcely a friend whose wisdom she could trust with a priceless secret i have never had any one to tell things to save aunt arabella and she paused struck dumb for the moment by an idea of import and dr cornerstone with the thought of dr cornerstone her emotion passed into a new phase her heart leaped in her breast and her face became transfigured whatever this phase of emotion was it appeared to carry her from the realm of agitation and struggle she remained perfectly still intent upon something which erased the whole problem by diverting the attention to a plane of thought beyond it but not for long these abstract uplifted moments could never be sustained ones in her mind she caught her hands up with a frightened cry and sank forward burying her face within them i dare not she cried i dare not my whole nature chooses him before all the world for my lover i prefer his strength and his simplicity and his wholesomeness to all the culture in london i am sick of culture but i dare not dare not it isn't because i am good i am not good any more to be in revolt was the recognized form of evil and jessamine had nothing in herself to oppose to the idea a code of rules is the least useful baggage with which the character can set out on its mysterious journey it will probably find them to be pure impedimenta what is wanted is a furnishing in qualities and then the conscience may be trusted to solve its problems for itself disaster and error spring not so much from what is done as from hesitation in the will and fevered incoherency in the choice jessamine was conscious of temptation either way it had been easy to escape from the harriet entanglement in london but in view of the temptation which met her here and the fearsome attraction of it the harriet entanglement with the church and clergy behind and the support of society appeared almost as the path of virtue how was she to discriminate everything within herself appeared ready to play the traitor because she had no notion to what she should be true her mind however retained energy enough for that self-derision and sorrowful candour which dictate the terms of treacherous capitulation which the soul makes at least let me be true said she mournfully to herself let me be true as death for once it isn't goodness in myself that guides me 
i haven't a guide i haven't a reason there is nothing that i know about by which i can direct myself and control myself except just vanity and custom and fear of aunt arabella and her set if i escape it is not because i am good it is because i am vain praying is no help when i pray i pray that god would help me to colin as to dr cornerstone i cannot confess to him i am afraid because i am sure i don't know but something tells me he might say something that would help me to be set things in queer fresh lights that seem good lights help me help me she snatched herself suddenly from her seat horror the horror of outraged vanity in her face like any housemaid she whispered with a thrill of fear and disgust from which terrible moment she gathered herself at last to act in common with common natures was the one thing which the particulars of her education caused her clearly to repudiate the word housemaid conquered for the moment she had been taught to credit common people with feelings unworthy of herself that decided her for the moment and yet the less conscious self which haunts with criticism the more conscious deciding acting self did not acquit her now she had no comfort nor release from self-disdain rising from her seat with a soft rustle of her garments and with a composed undulating movement of her figure she approached a second and smaller window of her room about which a little moonlight still played her face was tired and cold as snow that has lain three days and her voice was bitter and thin of course i shall keep straight she said of course i shall go on right enough not because i am good however but just for vanity's sake i must have praise then she turned and walked to the door her hand was on the latch when with a new impulse she looked back on the little room which was so dull but which nevertheless glowed with so much thought and feeling and her eyes swam again with tears a presentiment lay heavy on her heart a clear foreboding of the inevitable lying before her of something toward which she was destined to advance and which beyond this present turmoil and color waited fatally and cold would she have the power to escape it the question shot beyond consciousness dimly hovered in her brain disappeared and left her heart and her eyes empty and distraught then the door closed and the small square chamber was left silent the shadow of the tree had long been expunged and the moonlight was drawing slowly away from the second window end of chapter 16